Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. Uh, this week, last week, I forgot to say this, the, the podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Steve, good evening, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Hi, mate. How are you going? I'm okay, actually. I'm just going to turn my microphone up because for some reason it decided yeah. to turn itself down to a lower level. Is that better? That sounds better. Oh, yeah, it is actually. It is better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's better. Um, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I've just, uh, we'll just tell the listeners, it's a it's a Tuesday evening as usual, Wednesday morning in Sydney. Steve and I are on Zoom as we do every week. Um, I have just been out. I have been out tonight. I went out last night as well. It's like I'm going out too much. I know you're in lockdown, Steve, Partying. so you can't really go anywhere, can you? Yeah, and it just got announced overnight that um, our premier, Gladys, who I don't mind, I guess, but anyway, um, is likely to announce that we're going, she's extending it for another four weeks. And look, I know everybody around the world understands the whole kind of dramas that go with lockdown, but it's like, oh, really? <laughs> Fuck. But the thing is, though, Steve, you know, four just, weeks, yeah. four weeks means they must know it's it's pretty, it's getting pretty serious in Sydney. It's the listeners that don't know, like, they think the numbers, the numbers are, are, are they over 100? Yeah. Are they over 100 now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're over 150. 150, which is a lot for Sydney. So it's... For Sydney it's, it is. Yeah. The scary thing is not so much, well, like, from my basic understanding of it is not so much those physical kind of numbers because a lot of them are pe- like people in households kind of passing on to each other. It's more that like the numbers of people that are out in the community um, that are infectious, yeah. which kind of means that people are still obviously wandering around and just going and doing stuff, Yeah, which you, you, you know, you're not supposed to be doing effectively. And those numbers are around 70. People around. are still being irresponsible, aren't they? Oh, uh, look, you know, I'm, one people. part of me, I'm a sort of pedant, so I kind of am relatively good at, you know, sticking to the rules and stuff like that. But I do understand everybody's kind of thing where you just kind of go, oh, well, I'll just go and sneak out and go and do whatever. But the the premise of that is that if everybody goes and does it and, you know, like they obviously accidentally catch it and then they accidentally pass it on to everyone else, then that's where the problem lies. But, you know, we're all human. Like I get it. Like it is getting a bit funny as in cooped up funny. I find it, and I know I'm, the people, the listeners in the UK are probably saying, what are you talking about? But I find it a little bit weird. Like I've just been, and I just said to Steve before we started recording, you know, I went out with um, Nick, mm-hmm. who's in London for a couple of days. Nick, who's been on the very first owner stories. Nick was number one. Uh, Nick, who has mm-hmm. the Carrera 4S, 997, friend of ours. Um, and I went out with Nick last night and we went to... Hi, Nick. Um, hi, Nick. Uh, we went to Ivy in Canary Wharf. And Ivy, you know, I love that restaurant. But, you know, it, there's no masks. I, I still feel very weird. There's no check-in. There was no check-in. There's no more check-in app thing. that The NHS used to do it here. There's no masks. I don't know. I still kind of, like in the building here, in our building here, because it's a high-rise, you know, I still wear a mm. mask. When I go over to the new apartment, which is close by, I wear a mask. You know, if I'm on the tube, I wear a mask. I still wear a mask in the supermarket today when I had to go to yeah. the supermarket. Oh, not today, the other day. Um, Are you in the majority? Is everyone else in London like that or there's some, Freedom Day? There's some people wearing it. Like tonight I just went and had a quick drink with Nick before we recorded, Steve. I said to you, I just had met yep. him at the hotel. He's just staying near me here. Um, yep. You know, with views all over the, over the city. It's, you know, it's a lovely, lovely view. But once yep. again, it's like weird being in a bar where it's not super full but no masks. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I'm still not – I think it's because it's been so long. I'm not completely comfortable with it. 
And the fact that we, you know, the fact that I'm about to go back to Bahrain um, Mm -hmm. soon, like in the next week or so, um, Mm -hmm. I have to Mm -hmm. go back now, unfortunately, like a lot of something's changed and we -hmm. weren't going to, but now we have to go back sooner rather than later. So, Mm -hmm. and I know when you go back there, it's all masks again. So then I have to get back in the frame. You you know, you might as well just keep wearing your mask because there you have to wear a mask. You know what I mean? So I don't want to like fall out of the routine either because that's just what you have to do. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. It's because we're obviously behind the rest of the world because our vaccination rate is so slow, blah, blah, blah. Um, The bits that I have read about you guys doing Freedom Day in the UK, blah, blah, blah. Freedom. It does does sort of feel like a bit of a weird sort of experiment. Like clearly, you know, cases are going to go up, people are going to pass, all of that sort of stuff. I know that the government's... I guess behind closed doors, they kind of recognize it and they just kind of go, yeah, that's, you know, that's just how things kind of work from here on in. Yeah. I, I wish I could remember exactly what Nick said to me last night. And I know Nick's right. listening and I wish I could, I could remember exactly what he said to me. But mm. it's almost like going to war, you know what I mean, with the English. Just yeah. Like the English go to war and, you know, you know they're going to have casualties. Yeah, but you have to do it. Damage. Yeah, you have to do yeah. it, and you have to have collateral damage. And you know, I can't remember the exact wording that Nick said. Sorry, Nick, but it's just like, and it's kind of like that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. well, let's go forward. You know, we're going to lose some along the way, but we'll get through it. We'll get yeah. through it together. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's that sort like, of. Um, all of a sudden, it's not COVID. It's just like the flu. And like, I, I completely understand it. I know, like in government, they're not just weighing health stuff. They're kind of weighing up economic things. So then you there is a point where you're sort of just trying to move forward and it'll happen in Sydney sooner or later. I just, it's going to be later, but it's just a weird kind of mm. headspace that they're trying to shift you to. And I guess from a psychological point of view, I'm just kind of curious as to like what you just sort of said. I I think because I'm a conservative person, I would continue to wear masks pretty much most yeah, of the time. And I do, but I do. I wondered if like, People just really buy that all of a sudden because it's Freedom Day that you can go go and do the hell whatever you want. It's like, mm, that's slightly illogical. Wow, 18 months of it, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, we all know you can still – I mean, this is not a COVID podcast, but, you know, it, it's something mm. that's uh, impacting all of us at the moment. You know, we have listeners mm. from everywhere in the world and it's impacting all of us. And this Delta Plus and Delta, Delta Plus variant, you know, is widespread. You know, you know I'm – you know, we're working a on a pro- we're, there's a Delta Plus, which is the one that's going through UAE, you know, and we're working on okay. a project in Dubai, um, which we have to go to Dubai mm. shortly. We're going back to Bahrain, but then we'll eventually be going in and out of Dubai. And, you know, it, it worries me a little mm. bit because Dubai is still on the red list for the UK, um, which means if we're, being, yeah, right. if we're in Dubai, we have to sit ourselves in Bahrain for 10 days before we can come back to the UK because okay. yeah, you right. can't come back into the UK at all. Um, And Bahrain's still on the red list as well. They're not taken off yet. So it's kind of weird, like, you know, we need to come back here because we need to fly out of here to go back to Sydney. And it's like, Mm. I know it's not till October, but there's all this stuff. And then you got, you just told me Sydney's in four more weeks of lockdown. And then four more weeks of lockdown means, you know, 25 people per flight. We're going to get shafted of our flight. And all I want to do is get back back to Sydney. And it's like, you know, you can't plan anything. And this is the most annoying thing. You can't plan your life. And I think that's where it's impacting all of us, where we're all, and it impacts us all mentally. I'm, I, you know, we're all impacted by it. We're all affected by it, aren't we, Steve? Yeah, it's, it's starting to fry my brain. Like I keep sort of saying it, I'm a massive introvert, so I'm very used to my own space, like, you know, sort of being by myself and living in my own brain. But <laughs> my own brain is kind of getting quite fried at the moment. So Yeah, I know, because you're, you know, I mean, look, 
we don't live in boxes. We live in, you know, people in other parts of the world live in smaller places than us. We've got to be, you know, mm. but still it's not easy when you can't go yeah. anywhere. Um, yep. Anyway, let's let's get on. I just want to start uh, with the usual, Steve. I want to start with the usual. Um, but I had a good I had a good chat with Nick. It was good to catch up. Um, I so was supposed to get mm, not much, not much. What was the last thing you did? Fire extinguisher. Um, I don't remember. Nick fire extinguisher. Nick, I think yeah, fire extinguisher. Hmm. Uh, Nick's bought a house. He's bought a house, so he's been concentrating on his new house that he uh, uh, purchased. Um, yeah, right. Okay, so. Two new members of Patreon this week. It was really weird. Last week I announced one new member and then straight after that we got two new members. And I really, I'm wondering whether it's because I made that comment in a previous episode about the number of Patreon members compared to the number of downloads and how the math didn't add up for me, Steve. Remember I told you that? <laughs> I don't remember that. But <laughs> you okay. don't remember that? Anyway. Well, we you're, had, just laying, you're laying uh, your guilt on. Yeah, nice like three members in the one week, the uh, one person I announced last week. Uh, but two new Maybe members this week. I've got another tactic. Another, yeah. another tactic. Try crying. Sob, yeah, sob no. into the microphone and see what happens. No. It's not that bad. Um, oh. Like I said, Steve and I did this out of the love, um, not for the money. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. So two new members of Porsche Cooled this week. Uh, before I get into that, Porsche Cooled is on Patreon. Patreon is where you can become a member of Porsche Cooled. You can join Porsche Cooled Exclusive, Exclusive Plus or Porsche Cooled Base. Uh, two to ten dollars a week US. Uh, I think it converts it into your currency. So it's um, patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled, or you just do a search when you go to Patreon, it'll come up straight away. Um, so I've got two new members, Steve. Uh, first one is mm-hmm. James. James, I don't think you've reached out to me. Um, go, James. Go, James. Um, I did, uh, I think I sent James a message today just to say thanks, but I'm not sure if you have a Porsche or what you drive, so let me know and I'll, I'll mention it next week. And then Benjamin, mm. who I have actually chatted to, uh, I asked Benjamin to come on a owner story, so he's going to come on a future owner stories. And mm. Benjamin owns a, he said he's a longtime car enthusiast, collector, and hack mechanic. Um, his current garage is a 1995 911 C2 manual in cool. Venturing with classic gray interior, your color. Very cool. Uh, and an 03 Boxster S manual. A Boxster S manual. Oh, nice. I feel like I feel like Boxsters, you missed the I feel, feel like I missed the boat on Boxsters too. Have you seen the prices of Boxsters? They've jumped up a lot, no, Steve. I don't follow it. You should. And he owns one of your favorite cars that you, you've been talking about because you like how they sound in the previous podcast. But this is an old one. He's got a 97 Land Rover Range Rover in beluga black with lightstone interior. But he's got a 97. 97 is quite a nice shape. Mm, I don't know him well enough, but yeah, cool. Because I know you want one of those now, Range Rover, right? That's one of your cars in your list. Yeah, cheap one. 10,000 Range Rover, 2004, 10,000 Australian dollars. Drive it for a week and then throw it away. Watch it blow up. Um, but uh, Chris uh, Benjamin, sorry, he's owned a bunch of different cars over the years. He told me, and then now he's into Porsches and he's into watches as well. So thank you, Benjamin, and thank you, uh, James, for joining Porsche Cooled. Much appreciated. Um, owner story, Steve, I did the same to you. I've been so busy. Sorry, mate. I didn't send it to you yeah. again, and I know you sorry, haven't had sorry. a chance to listen to it. It's a good one. Listen to it and tell me next week. Uh, I spoke to Pete um, only a week ago, actually. I haven't mm-hmm. been doing them in advance, and so I only spoke to him a few days. I think it was last Friday I spoke to Pete. Mm. Um, Pete is got a great story. Uh, he wasn't into 
sports cars. He's not into Porsches. He wasn't really into German cars from basically from where he, you know, was where he grew up and whatever. There wasn't a lot of sort of, I don't know, people that had German cars, I think, or sports cars. I mean, basically because it's sort of, you know, country towns like what I lived in, but in America. Um, And also his lifestyle choices, uh, you know, he carried his, you know, he's a cyclist and he snowboards and skis and stuff as well, I think. So it's basically lifestyle and he needed something more utilitarian to carry his things around. Mm -hmm. Um, But his father, when he grew up, uh, I'm giving away the whole story here. His father had lots of Corvettes and Cadillacs. His father was actually a plastics engineer and he worked for General Motors and he developed the airbag. (laughs) He was working on the airbag development for General Motors in the US. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's cool to be called plastics engineer. Just something about that just sounds really cool. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, Peter, uh, Pete never thought a sports car was going to be good for him. Um, wasn't that he hated them, but, you know, you know, an unexpected event, you know, a sad event, an unexpected event happened. His best friend um, died, uh, passed away. Um, so he decided to, when he went to the funeral, he's at the memorial, he sees a car in the garage and, uh, egged on or urged on by his brother, who's all his, also his friend, um, mm-hmm. brother of his best friend, mm-hmm. Stephen Mike. Um, he decided to buy the Carrera, so he bought it. So he bought the 996.1 Carrera 2, Guards Red. Sad story, Steve, but a really nice story. And what's really good about it is he's now, you know, enjoying that car with his friend's brother. Um, who lives in the same area as him. Um, his friend's got a, a Targa, I think it is, an O2 Targa. Um, and it's just a really good story. Um, so it's I think if you haven't listened to it... The photo. Yeah, yeah. And he's yep. that was his friend's car, and he's just, you know, like I said, he didn't really want it, and then he bought it. It was like a, you know, he just decided it was like a no-brainer, basically. He just had to have it, and he bought it, yep. and it's good. And now he's doing this hobby with his, um, you know, with with his friend's brother, who's his friend, and, you know... I don't know. It was just a, I, I really enjoyed chatting with Peter. It was a really, uh, it was a really cool story. He's yeah. a really nice guy. Um, so make sure you check that out. That's uh, Owner Stories number 44 with Pete from Minnesota. So make sure you listen to that if you haven't had a listen. If you don't know what Owner Stories is, it comes out every Tuesday uh, on the Porsche School podcast. Steve, you cool. got a recommendation? Yes. Let's, do our, let's do our new segment. This segment is called cool. A Recommendation from Stephen Michael or Michael and Stephen until we think of a, of a better name. <laughs> somebody could recommend that to us um my recommendation for this week is so because we have been in lockdown as previously discussed um i don't know why i've just had too much time on my hands so i've been watching lots of youtube clips on detailing um i know you watch um ammo the ammo guy as well who's matt farrow's old mate yeah i do i quite I like, like him his, i don't watch all of them yeah i like the ones where they're really mm. a mess yeah, I don't really watch all of them either, um, but I am getting more and more keen on the notion of actually kind of having a go at doing a paint correction on my car, um, sort of stripping it back, do a paint correction, buy the machines to kind of do it and then probably do some sort of coating, do it on myself. Like um, I know you can kind of pa- – it, it's a bit of a risky one because I know you can kind of pay somebody to do it because the reason why you would do that is um, – machine polishing your car is obviously going to take some degree of um, clear coat off the top. And if you don't really know what you're doing, then do you want to sort of test it on your own car? I think I know enough to... How do you, Steve, sorry, how do you know what grade of 
buffer to use, though. That's what I never understand. Like, does he? Larry goes through it, doesn't he? he gives a kind of yeah. Vague... There's just there's there's different degrees of pads, like um, and um, polishes, compound polishes as well. And like you know, clearly, like if you're a bit nervy about it, then you just start with the finer ones, and you're not really taking much off, and you'll just be able to kind of see. Look, all in all, I've got a white car, um, so it's not like this. I've I've scratched the absolute hell out of it by kind of going the old school wax, waxing you know every couple of weeks way. Um, and basically, the premise of all of this is that the more that you contact your car, the more that you um, you putting kind of really light surface kind of scratching into it. What you told me to so, wax every week? What are you saying? You're saying it's wrong now? What's, yeah, it's you change your mind. It's way wrong. What? Yeah, I haven't changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so I've been just strangely watching all of this stuff. I'm not at the point where I'm going to go and do it um, because, A, I can't afford all the equipment. Like, I reckon it's going to get up there. I reckon it's a, probably what, like... How much? Maybe 1500 Whoa. I reckon it's about 1500 to two two grand. To why so get. much? Tell me why so much. You need to buy the machine polisher. You potentially like if you're going to get really. But isn't sort of that just one it, from the hardware shop? It's just a normal like, you know, tradesman's tool thing with a different. Nah, buff. if you look it up, there's a Rupes, which is Italian, or a Flex, which is German, and they're about a thousand bucks. Wow. Then you've got to buy the pads that kind of go on it. Then you've got to buy the polish to kind of do it with, and all that stuff's cool. But then also like the the physical um, the ceramic coating. Right, but you've you've seen that, and you're yeah, familiar yeah. with that's that. That's expensive, yeah. That's a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I, um, the one for my wheels, I think I spent, I paid eighty for the bottle for my wheels, seventy or yeah. eighty, I think, from memory. It was expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, it's all cool. Like uh, it, this is more like hobby type stuff. Um, so I reckon. So what is AI, so good about these buffers, though? Tell me why those buffers are so expensive. What is it? The speed, the the variable speed of them. Is it the pressure? Why are they? Why would you need yeah, the specialist one? I I I can't talk about it confidently enough but i <laughs> it's um i look a lot of that stuff too is obviously geared towards like professional detailers so like you buy a good machine because you're kind of using it every day like yeah. you know i'm going to use it you know about for five consecutive days or something like that and then i'll probably pack it away and maybe bust it out every six months or 12 months but you have thing, two cars so when you divide it by two cars it's not that expensive you know yeah and then once you start horsing around and lending it to you and yeah. all that type of thing then it, it costs me nothing anyway. yeah mm. yeah um <laughs> so anyway look my long-winded rant was just because i'm in that mode of kind of getting quite keen on the idea of having a crack at all of this um and i was watching a larry casilla nyc uh, ammo nyc video and one thing I could do because I don't have all the gear was uh, fill in all the, the stone chips on my car. So I got some touch-up paint. And his, his latest tip or trick to kind of do it is to buy um, these little kind of plastic syringes. They're like um, needles. They're not like um, medical ones. They're ones that you... I think they're designed to kind of apply glue and other little chemicals too. So same premise, like, right. you know, you you um, suck up your sort of paint and then you've got to push the thing to kind of release the paint and it's got like a little metal um, needle on the end of it. Yeah. And it, you just got heaps more control to kind of go and fill in your stone chips and look it up on eBay or Amazon or whatever. Um, there's different sizes. Yeah. 
Um, you get heaps more kind of control. It's much better than using a brush or like a toothpick. Um, so I had a, I actually had a go at this a couple of weeks ago. Um, at first, I thought I botched it and sort of overfilled everything, but then I realised that once once the little blobs dry, it's actually kind of not bad. So, already it looks okay. Um, look, it's not perfect, and the next step will be once I kind of get some of this other stuff, then you'll have a go at um, polishing it all back and trying to reduce the kind of little blobs on your yeah on your paint. I think but, I've seen him do that. I saw him do yeah. it on a I forget what car it was. I remember he it might have been a Ferrari even. I can't remember. I saw him doing it with the syringes, and he was quite good at doing it. Because what was that other kit that I was going to buy? The kit that everyone buys, the touch up one, which oh. is the. Uh, Dr. Color Chip. Dr. Color Chip, yeah. And some people I've say the results are really good and other people say the results are crap. But I'm, I'm um, still interested by that because I see some people have done it and I think, man, that looks pretty good. Yeah, I've done Dr. Color Chip um, a few times in in the previous years on the 993 and this um, white car. It's good on like really, really small um, stone chips, like the really, really fine ones, but anything that's kind of big that you sort of right. feel compelled to use a brush or a toothpick, um, it's the same thing. Like it doesn't, there's no magic kind of you magical know, sort of thing with that. So It's weird. You know, my, my father on our cheap cars, our Holdens, when I was a kid, I remember he mm. used to buy touch-up paint and he used to use mm. a toothpick, but it wasn't a toothpick. He used to get a matchstick and break it off and get the end because yeah. <laughs> he didn't have yeah. toothpicks because he was a smoker at the time. Yeah, and he right. used, I remember him doing the yellow, we had this Gemini, yellow Gemini that he bought new. And I remember mm. him like, touching up the chips with the toothpick and the touch-up paint. I don't think the results from memory were great. I was very young, but I, but I remember him, him doing that with the yeah. toothpick. It's weird how things don't really change. They're still the same sort of process, just refined a little bit. I was just scratching around for stuff to do and like even in terms of dreaming up something as a oh. recommendation every week. It was like, oh, yeah, that it, it only costs like six bucks. Yeah. It came from China or something. And it, Maybe you know, I'll like, try that because I've got a couple of little ones. Yeah, I can give you one. I've got a, I've got a packet full of them free. But yeah. if I get my front bumper done, all those chips are gone. Mm. But there's no chips on there because it's got the PPF on it, so maybe that's okay. And there's a couple of chips on my bonnet, actually. My bonnet's got a couple. You don't have PPF on the bonnet, do you? No, it's just on the front front yeah. bumper and rear bumper. Um, yeah, front bumper and rear bumper. But what about, you were saying about the detailing, though. So your white paint, yeah. your white paint on your yes. car, which is yep. Carrara white, Carrara right? White. Is yep. your so it's quite um, you can see the the, the swirl lines can you it's quite strong in light. Um, in on a white car you have to it's sort of more like um, fluorescent or LED lights I guess these days like or really bright sunshine so like in the shade and everything you can't really sort of see all the swirl marks and stuff like that you 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 really can kind of get away with it and that's also sorry part of the reason why I'm probably happy to kind of give. Um, paint correction to go myself rather than giving it to somebody because even if I kind of did like a 50-60% kind of job I reckon it would be good enough like you have to look really hard to kind of find the swells right? yeah I mean when I do my car in the garage you know and you know where it is and then yeah, yeah. I always park it underneath those fluorescent lights so I have yep. the strong lights on it but yep. then I also yep. shine my phone on it you know what I mean yep and my car's quite surprising like there's not I can see some fine stretches in some parts, but in general, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? It's actually pretty yep. good. I mean, of course, if you do paint correction, obviously it'd be a lot better, but 
it surprised me that it wasn't obviously not as bad as my black Audi was, um, but you know, it's not that bad. Yeah. 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 Like uh, it's just part of, I don't know, something, something to do. I've been egged on because my uncle kind of got into it as I've sort of said in the past. Um, and it, it's something I kind of enjoyed sort of doing anyway, but yeah. um, I don't want to go too far. I don't want to get to the point where like you're sort of babying the car. And as I've said in the past, like no. you get, if you get your car pristine, but then it sort of reduces your want to drive it, then I've gone too far. So yeah. don't let me get, don't let me get there. I mean, it's, it's a big investment, but I guess anything you do with your car is an investment. Once you've got the tools and you've got the tools, right? You don't need to buy them yeah. again. You've got them. So it's like, any type of tools you buy, you know what I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Really, I mean, it's it's never cheap to start off with, but once you've got them, I guess it's it's worthwhile. If, even if you only use them every three months or whatever. Um, yeah, I really want if to I get. Had, mm, go ahead. Sorry, if I had the tools right now, like given that we're week five or six or whatever in lockdown, I probably would have actually started. Um, well, I think the other kind of trap when I, you know my uncle keeps sort of saying, "Why don't you just go and do it?" and it's like, well. Part of the reason why I can't go and do it is that if I disappeared on uh, my wife for like a whole day, <laughs> um, yeah, she'd divorce me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. How are you going to? So, you'd have to do it in stages. You'd have to work out. I can do this bit for two hours and then come back up and then do yeah, this bit. Exactly. Unless you go down there and, and when people are sleeping. That's what I was thinking. You go down there and, instead of sleeping. You just go down and do it. <laughs> yeah, it could do. Plus. Uh, I wouldn't have a garage. I live in an apartment block, so it is quite dusty down there. It'd be better to kind of do it in your own garage sort of thing. So anyway. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you're allowed to go to your garage, right? You're allowed to leave your flat, right? Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, so you can go down. That's. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense to do it now when you've got these four weeks now, the extra four weeks. She, she's announced it already, right? There's another four weeks of lockdown or she's about uh, to announce it? I think it was speculative. I don't think she officially announced it. They right. normally... It, well, it's 8.30 in the morning now, so it'll be two and a half hours, and I'm sure she'll say, hey, everyone. Yeah, it's a good thing to do, though, Steve, don't you think? It's a good thing to do for at this period. Keep your head, keep yourself uh, sane. It's not going to happen for me because, like I said, I, I need to kind of buy some gear and all of that, and um, I can't disappear on my kids. For, so to all the listeners, wife. to all the listeners, next week we'll be talking to Steve and I go, yeah, I bought all that stuff and I started doing it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, I didn't really have anything because I've, I've been rushing, but I had something and I had something that mm. I'd kind of forgotten yeah. about and it's a shop. It's an online parts store. And yep. we always talk about Suncoast and we always talk about Design 911 and we always talk about these other stores. And when yep. I was talking to, um, and I think he said it on the podcast, uh, Daniel, I'm sure Daniel's listening. Hi, Daniel, Dan from Brisbane. Um, four, four, nine, four, four. Sorry. I keep thinking of, um. Another owner's story that I just recorded um, last week. The um, the dark Garnet red. red. Garnet Red. Garnet, that's it. Yep. Yeah, so when I was talking to Dan, um, he, he mentioned how he got some suspension and he got them from Rose Passion. And I forgot oh, all yeah. about Rose Passion. And I'm sure most of the listeners, well, I'm guessing most of the listeners have heard of it. Maybe people new to Porsche haven't heard of it because it doesn't always come up in search results. And I think mm-hmm. that's because it's French. It's in France. It's been away. F- it's been around for a long time, hasn't it, Steve? A long time. But I think so. It's one of those sites. Have you been to it recently? Rosepassion.com. It's rosepassion.com. And it has parts for every Porsche. And it starts at a 356 and it goes through everything. And they have lots of stuff. And Dan was telling me. I almost bought something. 
and I can't remember what it was. I remember when I first got the 911, I was looking for something there and I think I bought it from Suncoast instead. So I don't know what it was or I was looking for something that I can't remember and I didn't buy it. But I kind of forgot about it because every time you do a search for Porsche parts, it comes up with Suncoast or it comes up with Design 911 yeah. or it comes up with the other one, Porsche parts or whatever it is. And Rose Passion, I think, is a good little find because they have lots of things. And Dan said he bought suspension from there and it was still even a lot cheaper being shipped from France to mm-hmm. Brisbane instead of buying it in Australia, even with mm-hmm. getting you know all the costs involved. So I think if you haven't been to it before, I think the listeners should go and check it out. Like I said, 356 all the way up. I mean, their first page, Steve, when you go on it, you know, you see all the cars and then they have, well, it goes from 356 to prototype. I don't know what prototype is um, on the front page. It says 356 to prototype. I'm just on there as you're talking. <laughs> yeah. What is prototype? I didn't click on it. Well, you like can buy, if you, if you happen to own a prototype Porsche, you can buy parts for it. That's very crazy if that is. I don't know what that uh, means. Did you forget about it though? Did you forget about Rose Passion? Yeah, you're right because it never, it never ever yeah. um, kind of comes up. I sort of have a couple of slightly different, um, slightly more obscure. Do you remember the old site? They fixed it. No, it's much, it's much better now. The site. It it's wasn't like this years ago. It wasn't like this years ago. Yeah, right. Um, but it's. Um, I think it's a good resource, and I think if you need parts, and even though it is in France, apparently they ship all around the world, and their prices seem to be quite good, Steve. So um, I think I'm going to spend mm-hmm. some more time on it actually because I I didn't get a chance to look at it again today, but I just wanted to say it. And that's, you know, it's, it's my recommendation for this week as an alternative place to look for parts. And like I said, Dan reminded me of it when he was um, chatting to me about his, uh, his Porsche. Yeah, cool. Um, Apple ratings and reviews. I just want to say a quick shout out about this, Steve. There's no Apple, uh, no new reviews this week. Um, mm-hmm. If you guys haven't given us a review on Apple, um, please uh, give us a, a star rating. If you've got a bit more time, please give us a review. Um, when we get these ratings and reviews, it helps us to get um, closer to being the number one Porsche podcast. We want to get there and be close to uh, Spike because I think he's the number one. And it just basically makes us show up in the search results. Uh, because of you guys leaving those reviews, I think I just looked before and I think we're at 49 at the moment. We're still sitting about 49 in automotive podcasts in the USD, which is, yeah, cool. I think that's quite amazing. I don't know why. I think it's, I think it's quite amazing that we're that high up. And that, and you know, this this is this changes all the time, and it's pretty consistent that we're around about forty nine or fifty nine. So I think that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just in the US. I I didn't check the UK or Australia. I think Australia would be a little bit less. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure why. What else? Um, detailing. We've done detailing. I mean, only because you've got a Macan. Um, mm. And I've had a guy contact me. I can't remember your name. I know you're probably listening. Who's got a Macan who wants to come on Owner Stories? I haven't got him on yet, but I will because, you know, Owner Stories about all Porsches. It's not just about 911s or Boxsters or Caymans or four, or 944s or 924s. Ajmal won't enjoy it, no. Um, <laughs> and I know a lot of people get into Macan before they get into a 911 as well. Some people actually get into the – have a Macan first, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think about the update of Macan? You know, I looked at the pictures online. They had the like they had the Cayenne and they had the Macan. I don't know what's going on with the grill. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's something weird going on there. It doesn't look resolved to me. What do you think? Too fussy. I don't, I don't know. Like Porsche's most uh, current designs across the board, they seem to be enjoying the use of a lot of black plastic. Their plastic engineers are taking over. Um, Why is that? You think. Are they cutting costs? Or? Look thing. No, I guess it's an aesthetic thing. I don't know. Like I, 
I sort of wondered what the hell was going on when they did it on the 991.2 GT3 RS. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, it's it's on everything. And it's not, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, aesthetically, I don't really like it. I don't really like the kind of severe contrast between the black and, you know, any colour, unless it's black or dark. Um, but, yeah, I'd agree, like, the front of the McCann doesn't look that great. The yeah. rear is the same. Like, you know, they introduced the light bar on the previous one. That, that's... That's okay, but it's a very kind of very ho-hum sort of very quietly released sort of thing, but I'm sure it'll sell in massive numbers. I mean, this is the last of the internal combustion engine Macans, right? The next one's going to be yep. fully electric, so this is it. This is the last hurrah. I think, you know, yep. I like your, I like your Macan, Cindy's Macan, because it's a turbo, yep. and I like how it looks. I have to say, though, I did see, um, and as I said to you, I think before we started recording, you know, I want, my wife Natasha doesn't drive. I wanted to do driving Mm -hmm. lessons when we go back to Australia. I'm not going to put her through it in Bahrain. I think it'd be hell. Um, And I'm trying to work out what sort of car would be a a good car. Um, I suggested Mm -hmm. the M2. She doesn't like the M2. And that was probably Mm -hmm. a little bit selfish, you know, because I don't mind it myself. Um, (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know. But then we saw a Macan the other day and I just showed it to her again because it was the updated one with the back, you know, light bar at the back. And yeah. I like what they did to that model from your model. I mean, like I yeah. said, I think yours looks good because the turbo and the body's slightly different, right? Still got the same rear lights at the back as, as the other Very ones. Very slightly, yep. But I like the, I like, I do like the new Macan. I thought it looked, you know, I see this one uh, near Greenwich and I thought it was, um, I thought it was pretty cool. And I made Tasha really look at it this time. And she said, yeah, I, I don't mind it. Because this one was really well spec, Steve. It was, it was black, yep. but it was actually very tastefully spec the way the person had done it. They'd just got the right options, you know, silver brake calipers and silver seat belts, And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just looked mm-hmm. nice. Um, um, but then I saw the pictures of this new one and I thought, why did they even bother? You know, is it really going to make that much of a difference in sales? Because it looks like they've just, I don't know, it looks like they've just rushed it to me. Uh, it worries me yeah. with Porsche. Like, I understand the extra plastic on the new GT3, right? I, I, I do mm-hmm. understand that plastic that people hate at the front, that some people hate, all that black plastic. Mm-hmm. But you think a GT3 is a track car. Obviously, they've made it plastic because it that's where it's going to get chipped, right? That's where the stones, that's where it's going to get hit. That no, was my... So. Was it? That's what yep. I thought it was. And then on the Touring, yep. they haven't because it's not going to be used as a track weapon. So, they, they paint it on the Touring. But on the Macan, that, that detail, it's just, I don't know, it looks wrong. Yeah. I'd, like I said, it's a bit of non-news. I watched um, Nick Murray did a video on it. I don't know. He seems to do lots of um, McCann, uh, yeah, McCann videos because I know he's driving one as opposed to a 911. Oh, right. I didn't um, see that. Yeah. He sort of took the slightly cynical view of, um, I think he was sort of saying that Porsche, Porsche models generally kind of rotate every seven years and it is the seventh year, so technically the new Macan should be out. In his opinion, he was sort of saying that they're obviously late on the electric ones, so this is oh. a bit of a stopgap or something like that. But they're waiting um, for some technology to get better or something or they're just behind because of COVID. Yeah, something like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like... <laughs> It's a don't popular model, though. That. You know, it's a very popular model. So I guess they research this. You know, Porsche don't just do things lightly, do they? Yeah. So they must have researched it and think that this is going to keep selling because it's a big selling car for them. It makes, oh, you know, it helps our, our 911 passion because it helps the development go into into 911s, into that side of their their, their product line. Yeah. Um, probably a bit 
maybe even slightly more our style in terms of just talking was would be the um can turbo gt yeah, um, I, that's I don't sort mind of got that. at least a couple of yeah i'd i'd I just can't get into the whole SUV thing. I know um, I drive one a lot, but it's just not my cup of tea. Well, because you realise when you have one, yes, they can. the Macan is probably the best one to have. People say it's better than the Cayenne, right? The Macan is the one. It's still, mm, you know. know, based on... No, but based on other SUVs, the Macan is very, very good, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the, you know, the Lamborghini Urus is very popular. Um, mm. Isn't the GT basically a Urus? Urus in disguise, yeah. It's it's ten horsepower less, but lighter. It's I don't know. I think it was like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen seconds um, uh, around Nurburgring quicker than an Urus. Right. Um, you don't really. I watched a Matt Farah. I watched a Matt Farah kind of thing, and he he and Zach kind of said that it's um, that it is bloody amazing. Like it corners flat and. Oh really. These sorts, yeah. So they were kind of raving about it, um, but again, just for me, I just can't get into SUVs. Like I'm sure it's an amazing thing, um, uh, but I just, I still just can't kind of come to grips with the notion of well, um, I know that they're popular. I know a lot of people like to sit up high. The space, I kind of think it's a bit of a myth um, that you know that it makes it kind of more practical um, in my world, and I would. I don't find them that big, you know what I mean? I don't even mm, find the Merc yeah. that big. I mean, the, uh, the Q7 that we had briefly, I found that big. Yep. That that was long. Right. I thought that was very yep. usable, the Q7. Like the Merc ML, the old MLs, they don't feel that big to me. Yeah. I I just kind of go like if you really want something that's kind of capable and like performance-oriented, um, which I would lean to, um, you know, if I had my way with our family car, um, we would have gotten a, you know, like a, an old C63 wagon or something yeah. like that, as opposed to yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, as opposed to the Macan Turbo, so I agree. I would even buy an E60, uh, E63 wagon. Do you know what I mean? I prefer a wagon. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had a wagon, which was, you know, you had this similar yeah. one at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I yeah. prefer the sports wagons, especially if you get the AMG one, like you said. I don't know if I'd go the C class one. I'd probably I'd probably go E class. I actually quite like the E class. Mm-hmm. That really long, awkward shape. I think it's an awkward shape. But yeah, those E sixty three wagons that you can buy, they're E sixty three. If it was one before E fifty five, E sixty three, the prices have come yeah. down. They they depreciate quite a lot, and I think that's oh, much yeah. cooler. I don't know. I just think it's yeah. much cooler. I mean, nothing against people who own SUVs. I know there's a few people that listen yeah. to the podcast have them. They're pretty much for everyone. a bit of a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I would rather have, for me, I'd rather have something like that. Um, the Cayenne GT. Or a Panamera. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather have a Panamera have, over. Yeah. I'd rather have the, the, the Panamera or the um, Taycan Gran Turismo. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Turismo yeah. or Gran Turismo? I'd rather have one of those. Turismo, I've seen yeah. a lot of Taycans in the last week. I don't know what it is. All of okay. a sudden, Canary Wharf, I keep seeing them. But I keep seeing them in white or black. It's like I don't see any other color. Hmm, interesting. It's so weird. I just I saw a white one this afternoon when I was walking back from um, the tube. It's like I don't know. They're always white and black. I want to see one in that ice, that blue color, that frozen blue that I like. Frozenberry. Yeah, and you like the frozenberry and the cappuccino, right? Yeah, because I like my cars that look like my yogurt. Yep. If you go to China, there'd be a lot in China in that color. You know that they're very popular <laughs> color. You, it would. You know it would be. You know it would be. No offense to the Chinese listeners, but it'd be very, very popular, Steve. <laughs> I'm offended. Are you Chinese? 
<laughs> I'm not much of a Chinese person. Yet. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? I don't know. We saw that article. Steve and I saw the, I saw the article and I yeah. forwarded it to Steve. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth talking about. And it wasn't really an article. It was a top seven. It was called, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? The seven deadly sins of Porsche ownership. I mean, I thought, I think I found it on, it was a site that had six in the name. It might've been, it wasn't first flat six because that's Greg, um, but it was something flat. Oh, flat sixes. I think it was flat sixes actually. That's what it was, Steve. It was flat sixes. Um, right. And they had an article, i just tell the listeners, they called it, the, well, it was an article, it was just seven points. The seven mm-hmm. deadly sins of Porsche ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this top seven? Is it worthwhile? I mean, it's a, I don't know. Does it make you've it sound like, like three minutes? Does you've it sound three minutes? I know. But does it make us, or not you're going to, I don't know. Does it make us sound like a whole bunch of wankers? I don't know. I mean, I know that's a strange term, but you know, I mean, in a nice way. But well do we do feel that you started. <laughs> What's number one? So, seven deadly sins of Porsche ownership. I don't know if you guys who are listening think this is true. Slamming the front hood. Well, yeah. I kind of agree with that one. Don't do it. Press the. Pressed, use two hands. You put a ding in your your your, <laughs> your front lid if you um if you try to throw the the lid down. Absolutely, especially if there's something sticking up. I always worry. I always worry when I do the hood that I'm. I always am very conscious of where I push my hands to push it down. Mm-hmm. You know, which you're supposed to do it on the emblem, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to, right? Yes. Some yep. people don't. And if someone else closes well, your hood for you. Um, because I know someone did it for me once and they didn't do that. And I'm just like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> I suppose technically it's actually not the emblem. You're supposed to um, press it? where the latch is literally attached to the bonnet, which would just be in front of the emblem, wouldn't it? Ah, right, because if you push the emblem, you can actually indent your bonnet, right? You can dent it slightly. No, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so, but yeah. No? Anyway, moving along. Don't you like this one? What's that? Don't you Number like two. the seven deadly sins? Should we skip it? Using the wrong vocabulary, like saying Porsche. I don't know what that means. Or V6. I don't know about that. That's a bit silly. Saying Porsche instead of pronouncing it Porsche instead of Porsche. Instead of Porsche. Yeah, we, we know what that's Porsche. Saying that, there's, saying that there's a V6 in there when it's a flat six. Flat six, which is completely different. Unless you drive a McCann. Yeah, true, true. Wearing Porsche branded apparel in public when it's not appropriate. So it's not about wearing Porsche branded apparel. It's just when it's not appropriate, whenever that is. I don't know. Um, I don't have any. So when is it appropriate? Yeah, no, that's the thing. I don't have any Porsche branded apparel. Do you? I do. What do you have? Hat. Yeah, I got a. I've got a couple of baseball caps, sort of things. Um, No, apart from that, no, I don't. But I've only got. I've got a Luft tee that I bought. Well, I bought a couple Mm. of Luft tees. The first two I bought didn't fit me, so I gave them away. Um, mm. I bought another one which I've washed and worn. Quite like it. The new mm-hmm. the new one mm-hmm. that I bought. Um, I got some period correct tees which aren't really Porsche apparel, but they're you know like Porsche with the one with uh, yep. Ysac. And then I've got the Mund hat, the Mund baseball cap, which I wear all the time, which I really like. Which I don't even know where that is now. I haven't worn it for a while. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere around. Um, but I haven't actually got any Porsche branded apparel. I have looked at it when I've been to Porsche Center City South there and I looked at it and it's like appealing, but I never really bite the bullet on it. No. And look, you know, you, you and I, when you kind of go to like an auto house, cars and coffee, or you go to the, um, Concorde, 
the um, Porsche Club of New South Wales, like they get you. The man and his dog seems to be wearing yeah. merch, but it's not my kind of thing. Um, it's funny because there was a somebody on the um, Ren List nine nine seven GT three um, forum posted something similar to this, saying, "Oh, like you know, what good base, what good Porsche baseball caps are out there?" And he got absolutely <laughs> slammed by everybody else. It's really? like the light, the yeah, you know, because you know. I think it's sort of like the notion of somebody driving around in their Porsche, Porsche wearing a Porsche cap, or you know, is akin to like wearing Ferrari merch in your Ferrari and all that sort of stuff. I know, but I think Porsche owners are a little bit more subtle. I mean, I know a lot of people. I mean, I know people who listen to the podcast have Porsche merchandise. I've seen it on their Instagram, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. And I think when you first get into brand, you know, I wanted to have it too, but I, I just never bought anything. I was going to buy a Porsche Club in New South Wales t-shirt and whatever expensive but they're all expensive i think that's what stopped me i have to say i like i like the merchandise is a little bit more off center you know what i mean like i want to get those sort of t-shirts that are a bit different i mean like the like i said luft and other brands you know flat six jack in the uk has really good t-shirts you know those sort of people that have t-shirts that are you know a little bit different but still porsche porsche passion porsche you know centric yeah I, i was about to say when you go to the um porsche museum in stuttgart um, and obviously, like any other kind of museum on the way out, you kind of duck into the shop and you spend, you know, 45 well. minutes trawling everything on the shelves. Um, you feel, you've like, particularly in that, like I remember um, my wife and I felt very compelled to buy something because you were sort of commemorating your visit to the, to the museum. But you did, right? Um, we bought gifts. We bought stuff for, like, um, uh, my wife's kind of family, like, my father-in-law and brother-in-laws, my three brother-in-laws and all of that sort of stuff um, just because it was sort of something. But did I get anything for us? I think I bought like a white key ring. <laughs> See, I would that go a it. bit crazy in that shop because I really like the Porsche Museum books and I think they're published by Burkhauser. I think it's Burkhauser or right. something. They they use that really cool book publisher. And you know I've got this thing for books, right? But yeah. I, bought, I bought the small little white one that I bought online from somewhere and it cost me a fortune when I got it sent to Sydney. And then I got the green anniversary one, which is a Porsche museum one. The the actual Porsche museum publication books, Steve are really good. I think, um, Alpha spot has a lot of the ones from the Porsche museum. Um, I think if I went to Porsche museum, I'd go a little bit insane and I probably would buy a t-shirt if I found a good one there, but I, I, you know, Going back to the clothing, though, I have actually expensive, found good... that stuff. It's super expensive, though. Yeah, but I have seen good T-shirts, and every time I see them, they always never have any size in Porsche Australia when I looked online. That's what I remember mm. now. There was no sizes. And I did buy a Porsche T-shirt, actually. I forgot, and I haven't worn it. I got the 70th anniversary one, the limited edition 70th anniversary one. Mm-hmm. But I bought it, like, more to just keep, and I have never worn it, and I probably won't wear it. I just yeah, bought it to keep. I don't know, but I'm, I'm kind of... If I had something like that or... Um, I just I reckon that if I was about to head out to a cars and coffee or even so I've sinned. Even if I was about to head out on a drive with you or Marco or whatever, I think the last thing that I would be doing is to reach for my Porsche branded t shirt or whatever. <laughs> but would you wear a Love Cult t shirt or would or, you wear a period yeah, correct t shirt? Absolutely. See I would yes. do that too. Yeah, that's what I think. But so you know that's we're different not sinning. From, we're not sinning. What are these other ones? What are we up to? Number four. Spending too much money at the Porsche dealership. Uh, I don't know about yeah. that. Uh, letting other people drive your Porsche unsupervised. Is that a deadly sin of Porsche ownership? Mm, Depends who it is. Depends who it is, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's a bit silly. Leaving your Porsche out in the sun on a hot, humid day. Yep, that's definitely a sin. I agree with with that one. 
really. <laughs> uh, huh? I don't know. I don't go out much, so I wouldn't know. I don't park under trees. Yeah, I don't park under trees. That's a, definitely a sin. That should be one so of the ones. It should be leaving your Porsche day. out under a tree on a sunny day because you don't want bird shit on your car, that's for sure. And the last yep. one, which I think is one of the seven deadly sins of Porsche ownership, Steve, mm-hmm. using an automatic car wash. I don't know anyone that uses a car wash. I think Actually, people, I know one person. I think people use them. I think people use them a lot. And I don't know about the US listeners, but I think people use them a lot in US and Europe. I think people still use right. automatic car washes. I think they do. Okay. I think they do. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that was worthwhile. I saw it and I thought, mm, <laughs> you know, who knows? You just spent like what now? 12 minutes talking Yeah, 12 about minutes. That, you so. enjoy that? <laughs> Good. Listeners are going, what are you talking about tonight? You know the thing about you said about has Porsche become mainstream? I don't think we'll talk about yeah. the other the other thing today, but has Porsche yeah, become mainstream? Well, you know what? When And Steve put this on the notes and, I, and we haven't had time to really think about it and I just want to touch yeah. on it. And I want to go back to what we were talking about, about the um, uh, GT, the Cayenne GT, and yeah, how, it's, how it shares the same platform like a Urus and how like the Panamera platform is a Bentley. And, how, yeah. you know, <clears throat> and I think that's what I'm not, I don't really like like as much anymore how cars are all pretty much similar platforms. I don't know if, you, what you, if this is what you were getting at with this. I know that's slightly different what you were moving towards, but <clears throat> sorry, sorry. you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. What do you think about all these generic platforms that everything is becoming the same? And I remember listening to something or watching a video and someone saying, you know, can you really tell the difference when you're in a Bentley to when you're in a Audi to when you're in a, you know what I mean? Or a Lamborghini. I don't know. Yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. Like I, we're not engineers and sort of stuff like that. So like even just visually and like the way that they kind of deck out an interior. Tactile things. It's everything you touch. Yeah. even in the suspension tuning and like the exhaust noise, like, um, you know, the McCann and a Audi Q5 shares an engine, I believe, um, stuff like that. But they're all kind of tuned differently. So um, I don't think, I don't know, uh, maybe because I used to sort of say that like a Golf and a um, Audi A3 were, you know, wow. why would you sort of buy? I used to hate that. A3 though. kind of thing. Didn't you? I used to hate that. Oh, you've got an Audi A3. It's just the same as a Golf. Why didn't you buy a Golf? People used to say that, you know. I remember people saying yeah. that to me. It's like, it's actually not. See, I'm saying now it's not and I'm sort of saying, is it the same? <laughs> and, and when I had the Audi, it was like, no, it's not. It's completely different. Yeah, don't know. Anyway. But I think cars are coming more and more similar, you know. But the thing about Porsche becoming mainstream, and this is the problem, isn't it? And, you know, we, we, want, a, we want a Porsche to survive. We want a Porsche to get through their struggles that they had in 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 the generations before in the nineties. Yeah. When they were struggling and we know the Boxster pulled them out of that. And then we know after the Boxster, it was the SUVs, the Cayenne, right. And that's what pulled them out. And then the Macan today, and this has allowed, you know, this has allowed what you said, Steve, it's allowed more development and it's allowed the nine 11 to grow into so many different variants because they have all the money to make them. But at the same time, like you said, is it becoming to mainstream well is that the cost of of, is that the cost of surviving you know what i mean is that what you have to do if you have to survive in 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 the automotive industry today that you actually have to become 
mainstream. And of course, Porsche has mainstream cars. I don't see the 911 as a mainstream model. I don't see it as mainstream. I think we get a little bit blurry-eyed because we own Porsches and we talk about them all the time that we think it's just like a common thing. Um, I don't think the 911's mainstream. I think Porsche has, in my opinion, I think they make too many variants. I don't think they need as many variants as they have. I think it's a little bit crazy. Mm. Um, And obviously, I think in the 992 generation, Steve, there's going to be, we know there's going to be other variants coming. No doubt there's going to be a Safari. No doubt there's going to be something else they'll throw in there. Is it another Sport Classic? Is it going to be a limited run Sport Classic? I think Sport Classic and Safari are definitely coming in the 911. I mean, I guess that's exciting because, you know, the money they have from selling Macans and Boxsters and mainly Macans and and Cayans, right? That money they can develop these cars, but... What is the long-term cost? I'm not sure. Yeah, I so I kind of put it in notes because I was just sort of pondering it. Um, like if you track like other brands that were equally sort of cool, um, not as sort of mainstream popular like, you know, Apple and Rolex, even in kind of car, car terms, like right back in the day, like um, BMW and AMG, or maybe it's sort of more like um, the M division of BMW, all those sorts of things were, I'm sort of not meaning for it to kind of sound like exclusivity and sort of being elite, but there was a much narrower kind of audience for these types of brands. Yep. And then obviously as they kind of became more popular, like you, Apple is sort of like the, the classic kind of example of this. Um, there's, a, there's this horrible kind of marketing term called mastige, like mass prestige where, right. you know, um, all of a sudden everybody kind of wanted it. It didn't, it no longer kind of became this sort of mark of like if you had uh, white um, earbuds hanging out your ears, like it used to kind of be super cool and then all of a sudden it turns on its head and you're no longer super cool and you're, you know, like another one of the sheep in the herd. Um, mm. will, will Porsche eventually kind of follow that route and are we all going to go, oh, fuck, like, you know, it's a brand that we once loved because it sort of had a um, a particular kind of feel or meaning to us. But then, like once once you kind of see it, like too much of it on the streets, um, and like if everybody kind of owns it and it doesn't yeah. discern, do you does it change your kind of view of it? Yeah, it's not as special. But this is yeah. why. But this is why people are more drawn to GT cars now. Is that why? Because they are yeah. more special, and they want that 911. That's the special one, where the basic Carrera now is not special enough. See, I don't. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering what impact the Taycan is going to have, actually, and and the variants of the electric car. And I know eventually this is going to be the main part of their range. But yeah. sure, they got you know Porsche got a lot of hype. Um, Taycans were selling really well. The orders were crazy. Yep. You know, the, the sales figures showed that, that, you know, they made so much money, especially when it was first launched. I don't know how it's leveled out now. I'm sure it's leveled out. Um, sure. I still think I still think Porsche is completely messed up. I still think they messed up with the charging thing. I think they did it the wrong way around. Um, that they don't have the infrastructure. They, they couldn't ever get it any other way because, like, everybody's benchmarking Tesla, but Tesla's been around for more than 10 years sort of thing. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I still you've think got to establish tricky. your network at some point. But I, I know think, what you're saying. I actually think, and I'm going to throw it out there, I think I would still be tempted more if I was going to buy an electric car, which I'm not at the moment. Mm-hmm. I At the moment, with the 
charging network, and I don't know what Australian's charging network, I'm just talking about UK, based on the experience I've had by when we rented that Tesla, I mm. would still buy Tesla over a, a Porsche Taycan. Even though I think the Porsche Taycan is probably a much better car, a much more enjoyable car, and obviously better put together. Um, based on the that hassle of it, I think you'd have you'd still have to get a Tesla at the moment. I really do. But that wasn't the point, Steve. The point was, yep. is, is this going to impact the the brand even more you know how's the brand going to change now when you've got this this electric car this Taycan which has got a lot of hype behind it and people are interested in it and the Cross Turismo and you know all these variants is that going to make it even more mainstream um, maybe not unless they kind of bring out a cheap one because I'm a, they're still playing right at the top of the market like it sounds to me I don't look I don't know enough about um, Tesla's but from what I kind of understand of like car brands and model ranges and stuff like that, Teslas sound like they're hugely overpriced, but they yeah. could price their cars at, at that because they were the only player in the market. Now that like, you know, somebody like Porsche and Audi and Mercedes and everybody else is kind of coming in, they're all kind of coming in at the top because Tesla's sort of set the benchmark. They've set the price so first kind of mover go, advantage, right? First mover advantage. Yeah, but it, it then means that like Porsche can kind of come in and go, oh, okay, well, if you're happy to pay, you know, 300 grand for a Tesla, then you'll be happy to pay 350 or 400 yeah. for a, a Porsche. Um, they, so they're coming in and out from the top. It won't be until like things like the electric Macan and the cheaper ones kind of come in that that sort of from a marketing point of view starts to dilute the brand, um, you know, like in... In a marketing boardroom somewhere, they talk about this stuff all the time because they're kind of going, well, if you bring in new markets like India and China, you bring in younger people, then they'll get into the brand, then they'll buy a McCann or a, whatever the EV is first, yep. then they'll kind of hanker for, you know, like a 911, then they'll hanker for a GT3. Yep. Um and that's the way you get them. It's about keeping but, them in there for the life, isn't it? It's about getting them in and keeping them going up the chain, basically. Yeah, and this 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 is exactly the same with like use Mercedes as a kind of thing. Like, um, all of a sudden there's a A45 AMG. It's like AMG used to be exclusively V8s, and now all of a sudden you can buy a four a four pot. You know, like, and it's crazy. It's a hot. It admittedly it's a hot hatch, but like, how much is it? It's like stupidly expensive for yeah. a little car. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so look, it's not the Porsche is not the only brand to kind of be sort of faced with this, but um, go back to AMG for a second. I think it's a little bit sad that you know it was a very it was a very focused kind of brand, which was all about you know like basically it's a German muscle car. It had a big eight cylinder engine. It was quick, not necessarily around the curves. It definitely in a straight line. If you want to go down an autobahn, it would be massively well built, and that was their thing. And now all of a sudden, like they put AMG badges on pretty much anything that's not even really an AMG. So the worry for Porsche is that if it doesn't sort of play its cards right, will it go down the same route where all of a sudden you're going to see like Porsche badges on stuff that really, you know, kind of shouldn't be on? But at the moment, they're not really doing that, like you said, because the Taycan no, and the priced high. I'm just wondering, yeah. if, you know, you say it's, uh, has Porsche become more mainstream and the yes. SUVs have kind of made them that way, right? Yes. SUVs yes. have made them way. Is the electric variants the Taycan the yep. Gran Turismo whatever else is coming is that actually making them a little bit more like they were before because not everyone is doing what they 
not everyone is doing a car like the Taycan. You know, the Taycan's they can a pretty, innovate, yeah. Yeah, the Taycan's a great car, right? So, and they're doing this car and no one else is really at that level. Like, I don't know about Mercedes-Benz. I don't know what Mercedes-Benz is doing in electric vehicles because they don't seem to be doing that much or they're just a bit slow off the mark. I, I, I don't, no, I, I know there's an EQ think, or something, some SUV, but, yeah. but they don't seem to yeah. be as like, Porsche seemed to be pushing it forward more. So is this way of Porsche, the electric side of it, is this way of Porsche sort of regaining that thing where they are a little bit more special? You know what I mean? Like you said, the price point that they've marketed it at, is that their, their way of getting back what they once had before because they can see that they might be coming too mainstream? Yeah, maybe. But I think like inherent in EVs from my understanding of like um, anybody that sort of reports on it um, is that EVs are going to be less differentiated than like a normal uh, custom, uh, internal combustion engine car because yep. it's effectively, you know, motors on a skateboard platform with batteries <laughs> in the middle as low as possible. A very and, fast skateboard. Um, yeah, but, you know, and there's no... There's no difference in engine noise. There's likely to be kind of harder to differentiate in sort of suspension tuning and stuff like that. So, like, all EVs are going to be effectively feeling very homogenous. But, if, you know, the thing is, I don't know if you watch Hoovy's Garage. You know, I watch Hoovy's Garage. I watch some no. of them. I find some of them interesting, some of them annoying, right? But he bought that yep. Tesla yep. Model S and he bought a cheap Tesla Model S. I don't know if you've right. seen this episode. It's just no, recently. I, I, and he bought it, and then after he's bought it, it's actually got on the di- on the dial that the battery is can't be charged at full capacity. You can only charge it to mm-hmm. get forty miles or something. The price mm-hmm. of a replacement battery, apparently from Tesla, is something like twenty thousand. Yeah. So they you buy these cars, and it's like yeah, the car. service costs yeah. are good, but then if the battery dies, like we know our phones from phones, we know our batteries will eventually die, right? If you don't yep. optimize yep. how you charge it this cost of electric cars in, in time to come. So what is the period where you can own a Tesla? Are these three-year leases that people get them on and throw them away and, and trade them in yep. and give them back? I mean, I guess that's the best way to own an electric car because you don't, you don't, well, you don't really want to own an electric car, do you? You yeah, can want to lease it. an electric yeah. car. You don't want to own yep. an electric car. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. your whole ownership story changes, you know what I mean? Like even if there is electric 911s or whatever there is, it's like do you really want to own an electric car? I don't know. Probably, probably no. not. But that sort of changes for everything. I don't know. Like the whole thing about Porsche becoming like, is it dan- is it in danger of becoming too mainstream? Like, look, you can kind of understand it from a business point of view because they're there to make money. Um, but you look at where they're at right now. Like they're so successful. Like the 911 was always, or I think, sorry, Porsche as a brand per car, they made the most profit per car. Like for many 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 years so right. they're obviously really smart in the way that they kind of engineer it and market it and all that sort of thing but if they kind of get to the point where there's so many of them you know just even from us as kind of normal people will we eventually kind of go the same way that we might or we have done with things like apple or rolex or whatever kind of go uh, everyone's got one i don't really like it anymore like will it turn on them yeah but is this why the classic market is so strong you know what i mean I mean, yeah. is this why the classic market is so strong, not just in Porsche but in other cars? Because this is what people yeah. are looking for. They're not looking for the newest and greatest. They're looking for the oldest and greatest, and that's why the classic market is is going strong. But you can, you know, you yeah. understand though, Steve. You know, like with Porsche, it's like any company. Like you said, you know, you got to grow, you got to innovate. Otherwise, you're left behind. Look at how many companies 
felt like they were stable and, and in a position where they yeah. could never be knocked off or never never not exist anymore. Nokia. <laughs> Nokia, Kodak, you know. And, you know, I remember yeah. when I was studying business, you know, like it was brought up all the time. There are, these are the companies that were around 100 years ago. These are the companies yep. that are not around now. You know what I mean? These were the leading companies 100 years ago. They're not around anymore. There's very few. And that's what's yep. kind of scary when you see something like that. So yep. it's not easy for these people making the decisions, that's for sure. But I think the classic market is just is, is part of it. It's not just because of COVID. I think this is what you said is, you know, things become more mainstream. People look back in time. They look at the older models. Well, here's a kind of question for you. Like the more that you sort of see of Porsches, does it does it change the way that you view your own car necessarily? Does it make, like like what I sort of said, like if you mm. kind of see too many of them, does it make you kind of go, I wish people did, I, I wish like in your heart of hearts that um, not as many people had it because it's this classic thing of you want to feel more special by not exclusivity yet. kind of thing. You know, I had this conversation, I think I was talking to Nick about this last night. Mm-hmm. You know, even... You know, we're, where I live in Sydney, right? Yep. Even when I drive the car out of the garage and I go and park places and I drive places, I don't often yep. see that many 911s. Yeah. When you think about it, when you take your car out, like I go to Redfern or I go to up to Surrey Hills yep. or I go to the city yep. or I go North Sydney, you know, I see Porsches. I don't necessarily see a lot of 911s. I know they're out there and people are driving them, but it's not often that you see it. Sure, you go to Cars and Coffee or, you you know, you're out on a Sunday or a different day, but in a weekday, you don't see that many. Do you? Yep. It's weird. No, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't. So I don't. F- I still feel like I'm driving something special. I mean, I feel like I'm driving something special because it's a feeling that gives me inside the cabin. You know what I mean? And that's what not- I was going to say. Yeah. Because the counterpoint to that, like from a... Uh, again, I'm sort of talking a lot of marketing type kind of crap, but um, when you think about it, it shouldn't really matter how popular or how many people, other people kind of drive the same car no. as you because what makes it special should actually be the experience and the noise and the drive and all of that sort of stuff. And if you can't get that in a different car, that's kind of the thing that's supposed to make it good. And then you yeah. you could kind of go, well, you're just being greedy and selfish because like, wouldn't you want everybody else to kind of understand that feeling no, um, I don't know. as well? So, But we're buying it because we really still, we love the brand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I buy a Rolex watch because it, you know, I like how it makes me feel on, on, on my wrist. And, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people, a lot of other people have that watch, even though it seems like it's impossible to buy. A lot of people have that watch. Yep. You know, you see it all yep. over Instagram. Heaps of people have the watch, but it doesn't make me feel like my watch is less special because it's my watch and it's how it makes mm-hmm. me feel when I look at it. You know, the other day I was walking over <clears throat> to the shops here in Canary Wharf and I had my Explorer 2 on. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, I looked down at it, you know, and it was like, wow, this is a great watch. And the sun was hitting and I could see the orange hand. And it was like, it just gives you that feeling. And it's like the Porsche when you when I first get into it, when you've been away for a long time or when you haven't driven it for a long time, Steve. It's just that feeling you get, which is not, which is, which is a feeling just – I know other people have that same feeling, but it's special when you feel it. And it's just like, okay, this is worth it. You know what I mean? Like you just look at it and yep. go, no, I really – this makes me feel better. Yep. And I know that yeah, sounds materialistic and people go, well, that's just, you know, luxury goods. But it's not. It's it's the appreciation of everything that's gone into it. It's appreciation of the history of a, a Rolex watch, say, the appreciation of a 911. I mean, you get in your 911, you think about it. Every now and again, I think, wow, this car's been around for so long. Like, this car has been refined and refined over the years, you know? 
Every now and yeah. again, I feel like that when I'm driving it. It's like you're driving something that's so... It's been around for so long and such a big part of automotive history. You know, it's, it's, it's an important car. You know what I mean? It will always be an important it's, car. Um, it's funny, and I obviously agree with that because I kind of go, like, that's what's made it so special is the fact that, you know, the engine's technically in the kind of wrong spot um, from a physics point of view, yep. but they've kind of managed to hone it and evolve it, blah, blah, blah. And it's got so much heritage, but then the counter to that is like the Jeremy kind of Clarkson sort of thing, or like you do actually read it in car journalism a bit, or you used to um, a lot, maybe less so now, which is like, what's with Porsche? Like, um, how is it that they can sucker punch so many people because they're making the same car, they incrementally change it. Like they, they change it like a tiny little bit, but they charge you hundreds of thousands of dollars for this car that has barely sort of changed. Like you, <laughs> you can see it from the other point of view. And it does, yeah, like yeah. when somebody sort of expresses it like that, it it's not, not valid kind of thing because you kind of go, yeah, good point. Like, you know, they probably don't, if you're building a car and all they're doing is sort of, you know, uh, shifting it here and there rather than reinventing it every single time. It doesn't like cost the engine, as much money right? to do that. It's like yeah. engine, right? Like the Speedster engine from the 991.2 is basically the same engine in the GT3, isn't it? Which, and I don't know this as a fact, but I'm that's assuming what that's what, this is why per car they're so profitable because they don't reinvent the car every generation. They just sort yeah. of tweak it and hone it. They're not thing. paying huge amounts of money in development they're because, the whole because they're just like it's just little increments that they're just doing and that's yes. why their profit margin yeah but it's but when it you think about that it's like it's clever you know what i mean it really is yeah, quite it's clever. very clever yeah. super clever yeah. yeah and it's taken all these years to do it and they keep doing it and yep you know it makes sense but it's good it's just really good and that's <clears throat> yeah. why we kind of like it but it's a funny it's a funny way to look at it so, yeah it is anyway. it is all right mate let's call it um, yep, we're over an hour. Go. We're at the uh, oh, hour nine. How about that? Um, yep. All right, mate. Thanks. Uh, I hope it's all good. I hope it's not an actual four-week lockdown. I hope they say it's only less for you and you're not stuck in the house for that long uh, without going for a drive. Look, the, the lockdown bit isn't it is what it is kind of thing. It's probably just more that eventually, you know, like I'm due to get my um, first vaccine in Good a week and a bit. Um, so hopefully... Jab. Steve's even, not an anti-vaxxer. Hopefully, even mentally, that kind of makes you feel like you're just sort of moving forward. Um, I know it doesn't make you invincible kind of thing, but um, well, people just, still get it. It just needs the whole country to kind of get to a better spot so yep. then we can all try to live a little bit more normally. Yep, that's what we need. That's for sure. All right, mate. Yeah. Let's call it. Cool, cool. Thanks, Take mate. Care. All right. Cheers, mate. All right, everyone. Thanks, mate. All right, everyone. Uh, that was Steve coming in from Sydney. My name is Michael Bath. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.